You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello. Yes, it is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. And this week, uh, I'm apologizing for last week. Uh, There was a couple of domestic crises. Uh, One with me. Uh, My boy did something to his arm and got his shoulder stuck and I had to take him to uh, A&E. That's the ER for those of you abroad. Uh, luckily, uh, he just got it stuck somehow or other, and uh, a nurse manipulated it, uh, and that was fine. But also, our guest had uh, a minor domestic crisis of his own, in that uh, he was supposed to be minding his child, and the nanny called in sick, and his partner was away, and so he wasn't going to be able to make it either. So, uh, And Mark was feeling bad, uh, and Mark is still feeling bad. In fact, uh, this weekend, Mark is apparently in his bed with a thermometer and an ice pack on his head. But uh, there we go. I'm here, and I have a special guest. We have Warren Sklar, who is uh, a co-conspirator of Guy Searle's, and uh, sometimes appears on the Mac to the Future video cast. Hello, Warren. Hello. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. A lot better than Mark, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just heard the list of uh, other guests, and it was like a death march. I'm, I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully everybody's okay, yeah. including your son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he, that was last week, and he, he was fine. I don't know what he'd done. He... he he twisted his arm somehow and then you know the muscles had spasmed and he was uh, uh, sort of oh, i'm stuck and it hurts <laughs> so, yeah, I, it a... I, I thought i thought he was actually physically stuck in something like a like a chair or a oh or no 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 he <laughs> no. managed to i don't know what he'd done and and yeah. nor were the nor were the, the medical professionals but they just knew what to do <laughs> they just gently uh rotated it a bit and uh, that was it. It came it unfree. It freed itself, and all was well. So good, that, good. that was uh, that's fine. So yeah. uh, yes, Warren, tell us, tell us about this uh, the Mac to the Future cast because I, I have seen one or two, not not that many because uh, it's it goes out on Facebook, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, we do we do it on Facebook. It's eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time U.S. Uh, on Wednesdays. Um, we have the way it started is uh I co-admin a Facebook group called Mac to the Future, uh, which is basically anything Apple related uh, that we talk about. And it's uh it's more of a it's less technical support and more just kind of talking about technology, not just Apple, but anything that we want to talk about. So Guy is in that group and he started a a, a live cast on that group. Um and he was looking for a co-host a couple months ago, and I said, "Hey, I don't have much going on Wednesday night." So uh, we started doing it on the Facebook group, and then he moved it out to everybody on a, on his own timeline. So um, he does it; um, he'll package it and then he'll post it back up so people can watch it afterwards if they can't make the uh, APM. And uh, yeah, basically just an hour of covering 
a couple of things that happened during the week and looking at each other. <laughs> and no doubt guy fighting with his i've got a new setup this week <laughs> if it's yeah, anything like every... this podcast yeah i've got a new i've got a completely new setup this week nothing could possibly yes. go wrong yeah it's, it's, it's about an hour of uh of getting it working and then an hour of show so it's always <laughs> it's always interesting but we uh we, we try to um uh, try to do a call in, and it's it sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. He uses a uh, Zeno, which right. is a free a free service where you could uh, call in, and um, I guess you get what you pay for. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, once that kind of works, that would kind of be a neat addition, and uh, people could call in and talk to us as well if they feel like it. Yeah, that would be. Uh, I'm sure that would be a very interesting um, addition. I know. I think. Yeah. Um, I think Boinks do one called Mimo, but that's a, a that's a subscription service which yeah. has a full blown kind of video studio. Um, we might have to bite the bullet and get something uh, subscription based because I don't know if the the free version is gonna yeah. do it. I, I mean, me, the, I I know uh, obviously you know uh, when we had Oliver on the the Mimo is is um, it is very much uh, a full blown studio in 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 an app right the, right, the, the right. Mimo being is multiple in multiple out and it supports pretty much everything in the world as far as i could tell great yeah so uh well we've got uh there's been quite a lot going on this week really uh surprisingly uh shall we start um let's do it yeah i i guess the well to some extent the 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 biggest uh the biggest story in some respects, of course, is the HomePod, which has sort of um, sloped into the room in a not quite finished state. Um, and then Apple said you can pre-order one for February the 9th. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I, I, have, I have no voices in a tin can. Uh, you probably know by now that I'm a Internet of Things slash smart home refusenik. But... Uh, mm. uh, I know they're pitching this very much more towards uh, the audio section. And, you know, I've seen some reviews where people are, you know, people are saying that for $350, the HomePod, you know, is as good or better than pretty much any sound system you can buy for less than $1,000. So, you know, maybe maybe they will uh, have a bigger impact. But I understand uh, at release, it's not going to have the multi-room support, is it? Right, it's not going to have AirPlay two, which I think is needed to do that. Right. Um, so it's going to, so so the fact that it's only going to work by itself might it, it could be an advantage to the people who are not sure if they want to buy it or if they were going to buy it, we're going to buy more than one because that's the uh, attraction. So you kind of get the opportunity just to, to buy one at this point and not feel like you're missing out on anything and uh, save a little money doing that. Yeah, and not, then... uh, not, uh, yeah, not go the whole hog. Of course, um, in answer to that, Sonos have, have launched a deal, haven't they, where you can buy two Sonos Ones yeah. for the same $349, which is a pretty aggressive um, marketing ploy, I think, from Sonos. Uh, yeah, so but the then... Sonos has Amazon, and they're getting Google Home as well. 
do they? Do they indeed? Yes. I the the one um the one thing I did uh read about the HomePod is that it has no it has no audio in, does it? So some people are saying, well, that's a pity because I'd like to be able to connect it to my TV. Um, although I guess you could do that if you have an Apple TV, you could you could run the you could probably route the sound through it that way. So from what I'm reading is there's no audio in and there's no Bluetooth either. So it's solely AirPlay, um, which could be a problem for people who want to use it as a Bluetooth speaker. I was going to say, I think, although I don't actually use it as such, my the sound bar on my TV can be switched to Bluetooth mode so you can use it as a Bluetooth speaker, right. which is, is, you know, quite handy, which means you don't so, have to have a separate separate thing and it's a, you know, reasonably decent sound output. Yeah, I got the same kind of setup on, on mine. Um so the Apple TV, and so it sounds like an Apple TV and an iPhone and an iPad, probably a Mac will be the only things that could pump sound to the speaker. Um, the Apple TV has um, it has uh, AirPlay, and that's how that's going to do it, which is interesting because Apple TV, the fourth gen and the new one uh, with 4K have a uh, Bluetooth out as well. So... You know, you can hook up any Bluetooth speaker to the Apple TV, which, you know, kind of if that's all you're looking to do, you don't have to get a HomePod to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there's plenty of speakers out there that are probably just as good or not better. But um, the limit of, you know, putting things into it is really tying you into the Apple system. And I uh, I don't know about you. I I think that could, you know, I think that could harm it quite a lot because... yeah. Although, you know, there are millions of people who own iPhones and, um, you know, other iOS devices who don't own a Macintosh, um, there are also a lot of people who might be interested in something like uh, the HomePod who would probably want to play music to it from Android or Windows or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Or any, yeah, any, I, mean, I heard people talking, you know, audio files who might want to even hook up an old style turntable to a speaker yeah. or you know uh people who want to hook up a, a cd player you can't do that um so i mean if apple's pitching this to audio files more as a speaker than a smart home then they need to pitch it to audio files who are happy with just using apple to stream to it Mm. And the problem I have with the the whole audiophile thing is, you know, Apple for the most part got us on a track of convenience over audio quality back from two thousand and five or whenever the uh, whenever the uh, iPod was released. It was more about having more songs and having you know a full oh yeah audio audio experience. Very much about convenience, wasn't it? Exactly. But, you know, let's face it, MP three. Me, I'm the least audiophile person in the world. You could probably play it over a string and two tin cans and I'd be happy. But um, yeah, you know, MP3, yeah. we all know MP3 is compressed. They're a lossless technique. And then there are also plenty of people, of course, who, who say that even if you're playing, you know, lossless, if you're playing it across Bluetooth, then you're degrading it again. So yeah, if you're yeah. pitching it to audiophiles, I really would have thought it needed a um, an audio in preferably digital i suppose but not necessarily yeah well i mean i you know it, i have a lot of uh, echo 
Amazon devices. So um, I got into those and, you know, they don't sound terrible, but uh, they don't sound great there, you know, but to me, it sounds fine. I'm probably just like you when it comes to audio quality. I'm not an audiophile, um, but you could hook up a, you know, a Google home or, a, or an Alexa to a speaker, any speaker you want. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they sound good. So, I mean, how, how much better am I going to notice uh, iTunes playing to a HomePod compared to one of these other speakers is we'll have to see. Well, indeed, indeed. And of course, Sonos have really have established themselves in that market as well for those who want a better speaker. You know, I mean, they do a good range, don't they, from the one, uh, I think they they do a a reasonable price range. I know they're not the cheapest things in the world, but again, they pitch theirs on audio quality rather than anything else. Yeah, and they have different sizes. They have the the one, the three, the five, and they get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, So you could really, you know, it's not cheap, but you could probably do your whole house especially with this sale that they're having now um a lot cheaper than you can with the home pods and you know get probably more for your money yeah 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 well we so, shall have to see we shall have to see what happens um yeah. the, are you so you're not going to get one uh no i've ne- i've never been in the market for one as i say i don't i don't have any uh disembodied voices in tin cans um, yeah and I don't have a great deal of luck with Siri either, to be fair. Yeah, that's my issue too. So I'm going to not pre-order this. I'm going to wait till other people use it and see. Um, and then if it's reviewed well and it sounds good, then I'll probably maybe just get one just so I don't have the fear of missing out on it. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's it's one of those things for me. I would It would have to be that, you know, somebody I knew got one and then I got to listen to it and say, wow, that's fabulous. And, you know, maybe consider that somewhere down the line this year, I save up some pennies. But the truth is yeah. I, I don't listen to that much music i don't no i just don't anymore i'm not i'm not in my 20 you know i'm not in my teens or 20s anymore having music exactly. playing all the time <laughs> is no longer a you know a major a major issue for me right and i'm, I'm the same way and i mean the the thought of having this audiophile quality speaker in the middle of my living room just kind of sounds either like um you know 70 years old or six years old listening to it like an audio file like an elitist audio file <laughs> or like a or i'm in my 20s uh, having some kind of rave and i'm neither of those um yeah. i have you know i you know, i'm mostly listening to headphones anyways and uh yeah it's it's it you know and alexa does everything else for me um but yeah i mean i felt the same way about the airpods when they first came out i said there's no reason i need to have them and then other people i know got them and said you need to have them so now i have them so if it's you know going to be the same with the home pod then so be it well yeah they you know these things and i'm sure it you know if it if it makes any if it gets any traction at all there'll be an iteration there will be a you know HomePod 2 or HomePod Plus with added features and um, you know over time these things tend to settle down and they either become accepted or they fade away so um, I mean a lot of people are referencing the old uh, uh, the iPod Hi-Fi yeah yeah the big white box the big white box Um, and and that was good and people love people who bought it loved it but you know Apple abandoned it pretty much and that's I mean that's the other issue too with the HomePod is you know it yeah. could be a great it's a great speaker but you know the technology in it the Siri technology 
and the chip is going to be outdated before the speaker will, just like a TV would, uh, like a smart TV is going to be outdated. Yeah, before the you know, long before so, the t- long before the TV is uh, actually you know beyond use. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know how Apple's going to do that if they're going to update you know the, the software or whatever, or they're going to abandon the old ones and say oh, we're sorry, uh, HomePod OS 2.0 doesn't run on us now, and yeah. you have to get the new HomePod. So <laughs> it's a lot of questions. A lot there of questions. is a lot. There are a lot of uh, yes. There's a lot of variables and a lot of unknowns about that. I, I think it'll be interesting story to watch because you know people raised a lot of these sort of things about the iPod originally didn't they? You know, the, the, the original iPods, it's like, oh, well, why would you want one? It's so much more money than a you know cheap Chinese MP3 player and it won't work and no one will buy them. And, and of course, it went on to be a massive hit. So I'm no futurologist and, and I'm certainly no analyst. So I, <laughs> uh, I am sometimes wildly <clears throat> wrong. I'm also sometimes, uh, you know, bang on. Uh, there we go. I mean, I remember um, when the iPad first came out uh that you know the ipad one when it was released there were all these pundits saying it was a joke and it would never catch on and why would you want one and uh, and i i just looked at it and i said to everybody around this thing this thing's going to go gangbusters you know the concept is going to go wild because there are a lot of yes the people the technos like us are looking at it and going i don't get it but it's not pitched at us it's pitched at you know people like my dad who has you know no real need to have a full-blown pc or a mac there's, there's all the overhead of maintaining it and looking after it and the complexity where what he really wants you know is to tap on mail write a mail press send you know tap the browser look at ebay whatever he does not so i on that one i was right and talking of uh yeah that's the there's a reason for this look because this is seamless seamless broadcasting uh in the new betas, Apple has apparently referenced a new modern iPod, uh, iPad, sorry, a new modern iPad in the iOS 11 10.3 code. Uh, and this was on, I, I found this one on Design Taxi. Um, well, of course, people love to dig around in these in these things, don't they? And uh, this time they found a thing referred to as the modern iPad. And... The the buzz around this is apparently to do with the fact that in, in previously uh, that uh, they've referred to uh, iPhones that have been, you know, dug up as modern, the modern iPhone, which is apparently yep. a code they've used in the past. I don't <laughs> know really what to read into that, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a faster, thinner bezel or uh face id maybe i mean it, we but you know we all knew it's going to go that way uh hopefully yeah um yeah i mean they it's not it shouldn't be a secret that apple's going to try to incorporate some features into the ipad that's on the iphone 10 yeah exactly just, yeah um here we say uh speculations of a new ipad with the redesign resembling the iphone 10 uh, if these rumours turn out to be true, the upcoming iPad Pro will have Face ID and not no home button. And then, so, you know, it's wow. And there's a reference in the code to a modern iPad. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the iPad, uh, I have a, a Pro 10-inch, and I love it. And if they, they want to just keep 
if they want to keep revealing, uh, I'm sorry, renewing them and making them better, then go for it. Well, it's always yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Not going to stand. It's not going to stand still, is it? You, you know, they nope. have to keep. You have to keep moving forward, as uh, as we do. I I don't know about you. I uh, Carl Madden on the on the Mac and forth. He's still holding out for a iPad Mint Pro Mini. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love that actually. I I had I, one. I, yeah. yeah. I had a, I, the mini is very popular, isn't it? Yeah, the, the the mini is very very popular, um, or at least it you know seems to be amongst the people I know who have them. Uh, so. Yeah, the, it was a perfect size. I had um, I had a four, and then I finally got rid of it for the pro. But I kind of wish I didn't. Some days it's um, you know for for what it does, it's just perfect for reading in bed, uh, using in bed. That's what it's really used for: sticking in a bag. Uh, when you're away, it's just easier to carry around. So, you know, an iPad mini pro would actually, I would like it, but, you know, of course they're going to make their phones bigger. Uh, and maybe at some point there'll be a phone that's sort of almost that size. Well, there is that. And of course there's all this, there's all this stuff floating around in there in the, um, in the tech world at the minute of foldable screens and uh, a couple of Android makers have kind of demoed folio type, uh, phones which are like two phones hinged together in a, you know um yeah, remind they... me to some extent of a, of a sort of a the nintendo ds kind of idea yeah they had some laptops like that uh that um not macbooks but uh they, they had a couple of windows laptops where the top was a screen and the bottom was a like a also a screen but it was a keyboard uh it had a keyboard uh, a soft keyboard mm. and it did horribly but no yeah, that's well, well, yeah. if, if you want a keyboard you want a keyboard let's face it on the whole yeah. if, you, if you if you want a keyboard but uh some of the tech that i've seen you know being talked about like such as you know actually bendable or rollable uh oled screens yeah there you're yeah. talking about things that could effectively you know not they're not going to fold down you know, super flat like a piece of paper but at the same time you might be able to have something that um can unfold or unroll in some way so who knows where these things will go who knows but yes phones are getting bigger and bigger it may just be that apple feel that the you know the that there is no real space for a smaller tablet i'm not sure um it's a shame. It's a shame. It is a shame. I, I always did. Yes, my wife, my wife and my daughter both have iPad minis and, and love them dearly. So um, it's a bit, a little bit of a shame that they've not been updated. But we never know what will happen next. So uh, what will happen next is that Mac OS is going to uh, follow iOS and discontinue support for 32-bit apps. And as of the latest beta, uh, High Sierra is going to get a bit more aggressive about telling you that uh, this is a 32-bit app and it won't carry on running forever. And uh, I believe Apple have described it as High Sierra is the last uh, Mac OS release which will support 32-bit apps without compromise. Now, uh, some people are saying that the next release will probably drop 32-bit support. What I've read more widely would kind of indicate that whatever comes after High Sierra will probably still run 32-bit apps, but it will get very grumpy about it, and that uh, will probably the 20... 
19 release, which will probably be, what, that'll be uh, 10, 15, is where they'll actually kill it all together. Uh, again, I'm no analyst, but I would say that that seems reasonable to me. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm looking now. It's I put the uh, the last beta on mine, uh, my MacBook, and evidently if you go into the activity monitor, that's where it shows you if you have any 32-bit programs. I don't see any on my my machine, but um, yeah, I, I I heard of a few people having a few left, but most of them say, yeah, I really don't need to have that anymore anyway. So I, I think if people, for the most part, really need a 32-bit app, it's got to be something that I would hope the developer still helping them with and will fix it and make it 64-bit. Yeah, I mean, I if I go, actually, if I go into uh, about this Mac, and then the system report. I, I've probably got quite a lot of. Uh, I've I've got quite a lot. There's quite a lot of things that you would be surprised, you know, are still 32-bit. But uh, like you, if if they're from a major developer, it, it doesn't really matter because they will get made 64-bit when the time comes, won't they? You know, it'll be Office Office. 2019 or whatever number it is next that they choose you know that will be a 64-bit application they're probably not going to bother making the current version of office 64-bit why you know why why bother why not just build a new one um yeah i don't know i'm not sure if off, is office showing 32-bit for you uh i don't know it's still it's still choring through the list here we go uh it looks like mine uh my only one is adobe flash player install manager is my only 32-bit program it seems right now so not that I need that either, but there you go. No, uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, when I when I looked last, I've got quite a lot of utilities um, that are still thirty two bit uh, things like uh, Batch Mod and uh, those sort of things. Right, and I've probably right. got some. I've probably got some old games which I haven't played in donkey. So to be honest, if they disappeared, nobody would. Uh, but you know, it's a cleanup effort for my. Uh, yeah, for, I, I, for and. and you know, it, it was going to come sooner or later. You can't carry on supporting 32-bit apps, you know, when everything else is basically going 64-bit. It's just the way it is. I'm sorry some people will have some old apps that won't run, in which case, you know, <laughs> either you've got to have an older Mac that will continue to run them for you or you have to let them go. That's just life. Um, they could also... It's, I think you could do a virtual Mac if you really need to. Oh, or you, if you really had yeah, to. Um, you could boot up a second partition of the older operating. I mean, if you have to have it, I'm sure you could get around getting it, but nobody needs it anymore. Get rid of it. It's old news. Yep, yep. It's, uh, so there we go. Uh, they've now started putting a warning up about it, and that will probably just continue to get more uh, more aggressive until they actually drop it, whether they drop it. I, I personally don't think they'll drop it in 10.14. I think 10.14 will probably run 32-bit apps, but it might get very grumpy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, apparently, on another issue, Apple is apparently hiring a lot more developers. Uh, designers, not developers, designers, according mm-hmm. to Fortune. Yeah. Um, job listings, apparently they normally advertise for about you know 20 design positions. Um, and according to Fortune, they've really jumped up the number of design positions they're advertising uh, to around 40 currently, I believe. Uh, 
Well, that's that's one of those. Uh, why? Well, because they obviously need more more designers. It's uh, why are they out? You know, why are they advertising for more designers? They have more things they wish wish to design, I guess. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Johnny Ive is uh, building out his army. <laughs> it sounds like. Um, uh, I, I would assume they're going to work under him. Uh, he's still the lead. Well, he's lead. Designer. He's lead head of design. Full stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe he feels he needs some fresh blood. I mean, I know his team is incredibly tight and, you know, many of them have been together for sort of 20 years. But I did see um, in an interview, uh, I think it was Johnny said that although that's, that it can be a strength, that can also sometimes be, uh, you know, a bit of a hindrance in that there isn't really room for anybody new to come on board the team. It's a sort of somebody has to retire or jack it in before somebody new gets a look in. Um, so maybe he's looking to, to develop some you know, separate design teams. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of talk about augmented reality headsets and, uh, you know, Project Titan and whatever. So, yeah, they're a big company. No, maybe, and of course, there's also been of late. There's been things where you know there've been slip ups. So maybe they just realizing that a bigger company cannot necessarily run on a team of twenty designers. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of design that people uh, like to make fun of, like the uh, the mouse that charges from the bottom is one that people uh, make fun of with the uh, design. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got one of those. And, of course, actually, A, it, charges, it can charge incredibly quickly. Um, and the other one is what I normally do if I feel it's getting anywhere near needing a charge is I plug it in at night when I leave the office. So um, I... <sighs> I kind of understand why some people were sort of making fun of it. Why can't you plug it in and use it as a wired mouse? But if you look at the design, that would kind of compromise the style of the mouse quite badly. So yeah, and, I, I and Johnny, Johnny yeah. doesn't like the holes, so he doesn't no, want any more holes in there. Yeah. No, exactly, and he doesn't really want you using it as a wired mouse either. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, so that yeah, strange little story, really. Uh. But I just picked up on it because I thought that might be, you know, it, I guess it points to more product, doesn't it? And perhaps getting more people to help polish the rough edges off uh, more quickly. Well, the the car rumor is still not going away. So it, you know, comes in and out. So definitely designers for a car project, the Titan project could yeah. be, could be something. I mean, could be. I mean, I, the Titan project, um, yeah, the rumours about that have gone backwards and forwards. They were building a car. No, they weren't building a car. They're, te they're building stuff to test. But, I mean, my big take on that is even if they want to build a car, and then maybe they will build a car. There's no reason why they shouldn't. We, I mean, we know that uh, both, you know, Johnny and his mate Mark Newson are, are big car heads. Very much. I could imagine Jonathan Ive really, really wanting to build a fabulous car. You know. Um, yeah. Even if they, you know, go in on it with BMW or Tesla or somebody mm. like that, um, you know, they might have a big arm in designing that, even though it's not truly an Apple branded car. And um, you know, and develop some of the tech that goes in there, or all of the all of the tech that goes in there. Who knows? Yeah. And the other the other thing, you know, I've always thought is, you don't you don't do a project like 
quote unquote, the Apple car and start by building the Apple car. You start by building the bits of the Apple car and you, you work up, you know, particularly if you want it to be autonomous and smart and do all these other things. You, you don't go and build a 20, I don't know, a $50,000 car to test the technology. You stick the technology in, I don't know, some cheap car, don't you? to start with yeah like google google actually stuck all their stuff into a um a lexus 350 suv yeah exactly those are the ones that were driving around uh mountain view california i've seen them and uh yeah that's what they'll do and then once they get the tech working they'll you know put in something packaged look you know looking pretty Mm. hopefully yeah i i you know i i've i've neither discounted nor a hundred percent decided, and I don't think necessarily that Apple are a hundred percent decided what they want to do about Project Titan. You know, they've got money, they've got the talent, they can spend all the time they like on it, and then if the end, in the end, they don't think it's a commercial, a viable commercial product, they could just go, oh well, never mind. We'll just take what we've learned whilst playing about with it and put it elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so what are the other Apple stories today? Well, uh, DuckDuckGo, the privacy-based uh, search engine company, revamped their uh, iOS browser. Um, Mac Jim pointed this out to me in the in the Slack room. Uh, he was under the impression that I believe that it was a new browser, but it's it well, it's a new version of the browser. DuckDuckGo had a an iOS browser before, uh, but they've done a fully you know revamped one with lots more uh, privacy functions. Uh, I've had a look at it. I, I use Safari on iOS, and um, my first problem with the DuckDuckGo browser was I opened it and it didn't offer to import any of my bookmarks or uh, any of my keychain, which I'm afraid without those kinds of integrations, uh, I'm not that paranoid. Mm. I use DuckDuckGo as my default uh, search engine. I do, um, but I run my Safari with uh, BlockBear and uh, Crystal and AdBlock Pro, and I think that keeps me pretty uh, safe from trackers and so on. So, can you, can you change your Safari iOS uh, search engine? Uh, uh, yeah. To yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. It's been one of the defaults for several years now. Um, so I used to use DuckDuckGo on the desktop, um, and when they added it as a default uh, to Safari uh, on Mac OS and iOS, I switched to that. Yeah, you can just go. It's in the, I think the options are Google, DuckDuckGo, Bing, and uh, another one I forget. So, so um, with the DuckDuckGo, if they had a Mac browser, like they have an iOS browser, then those two could probably sync your keychain, well, not the keychain, but your passwords and things like that, mm. cookies over. Because I know Firefox does that now. Firefox uh, has an iOS browser too. And obviously a Windows browser with Firefox, you could sync your settings and mm. it works pretty well. So, you know, that might be something DuckDuckGo could do to fix that issue of not having things syncing across devices. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I suppose if I if I was that keen to use it i would get over the fact but as somebody's perfectly happy with safari you know with various tracker blockers and ad blockers installed it would be and it's it would be a lot of effort for yeah for and what, I do. to me it does not seem to be a huge amount of gain 
I like DuckDuckGo. I like DuckDuckGo. I do. Um, I've, as I say, I've used their engine because it doesn't track you. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't do, you know, all that, uh, selling your data and whatnot. So, uh, I, I support them. Uh, some people say, you know, they're not as good as Google. I find on the whole that they're perfectly acceptable. The one thing that there is, is a bit sucky, I'm afraid, DuckDuckGo, is their image search. It, it's compared to Google's, it's terrible. So, you know, if you put in there, um, I don't know, you know, Ford sedan 1970s and search, you will get, compared to what Google will turn up, you'll get a terrible selection. It's, uh, they're, they're good. Their image searching is nowhere near as good as Google's. But, yeah. but, but I, I did try it. I, I tried it once or twice and I did, uh, the, the search engine and it was not for me at that point. And I'm not particularly that concerned over my privacy. I, I, I have an ad blocker, which uh, the same as yours. And for me, I use Safari and Google, and that pretty much uh, it's fine for me. Um, and if somebody's watching me, so be it. Yeah, well, you know, the big thing about that is, of course, um, about what going in with your eyes open. That's always the uh, – and, you know, I gave up mostly using google uh after that sort of which of the big five would you drop thing and i i thought well actually i i could probably drop google easier than the others and i did i have dropped google mostly um as i say i still i use google if i want to search for images i use the google image search i didn't you know i didn't destroy my account or anything but <laughs> i i just stopped using them as my def well i hadn't used google as my default search engine for years but um you know, I stopped using Google Mail as my default mail. I stopped using uh, Google Drive as one of my main cloud storage, you know, all that. And so now I actually have very little to do with Google. But, um, you know, it's not. Yeah. It's not. I always said when people used to say to me, oh, well, dear, but you're the product and they're getting all your data. It's like, yeah, but that was a deal that was made clear to me when I went in. I mean, over time, yes, I became... Um, less enamored of it so that was part of it but as, as long as you're aware that that's what they're doing and they make it clear i don't have a problem and when i do have a problem with it is where it's sort of uh sneaky and underhanded and possibly you know um yeah not and that all it all leads explained. back it all leads back to the home pod too i mean that's a lot of people are concerned the people who are really concerned about their privacy are the ones not putting a smart speaker in our house or are holding out for the Apple one because they feel that um, Apple will keep their data more private than the other ones. So, yeah. um, and yeah. uh, as an, as an aside uh, from that Warren, uh, you can now control what data sh Google shares about you. Um, this is probably all over the news, but this one came mm. from, I think uh, real simple. Uh, and it's true that the uh, latest upgrade to your Google account uh, gives you much more control. You, there's a um, a load of switches about you know ad personalization and uh, whether you, whether they're allowed to look at your uh, location data and uh, a whole load of things. So uh, I have to say on the Google dashboard, the fact that you can now have a more control about what data you're prepared to sh share with uh, Google uh, for once, you know, well done, Google. Yeah, that is good. I, I've been before this, I've been in those dashboards and it's kind of, it is, it is a little scary what you see mm. that's 
in your profile. Um, but you know, it's probably for me, it's better not to look. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the other thing that they've done, of course, is they've, they've added a, they've added a uh, clear, clear the cache kind of thing. So you can go to your Google dashboard and say, remove all the data you have for me from the, you know, the last week, the last month, the last year, forever, you know, clear all my data, which mm. I, I now do, um, not that Google, you know, get vast amounts of my data because I don't use them that much, but I do go in there uh, about once a month or so and just see what it has picked up. Mostly it's image searches because that's mostly what I use it for. And occasionally it will show me that I've been on the Google Mail because, you know, I have mails that still go to my old Google account. Um, and then I just go clear this data. But that, they've made that much simpler. It's now clean and simple and easy and there's a load of toggle switches about what you are and are not prepared to share with google so uh that, that's a you know for once i'm not going to be slagging google about that I, I think that's well done i know it's done for pr you know it looks better and people are accusing them of uh you know collecting too much data and not being open enough about it well they're being a bit more open about it and giving you a bit more uh a bit more say so so good it's all good that's all good uh, I'll tell you what, Warren, we've been going for a little while. Uh, why don't we let John Nemo tell us about the uh, Office Depot iPhone repair service uh, and you and me can pop off and refresh ourselves with a new cup of tea. So uh, Sounds good. Yeah. Over to you, John. Here's a personal tale from the back room at Nemo's hardware store. My wife finally decided she wanted to use an iPhone, but she didn't want me to buy her a new one, even though I offered many times. I gave her my old iPhone 6 that was running perfectly. I had been using it for testing and teaching since I got my new X iPhone 10. My wife's name is Barbie. She and I went to the AT&T store, and they gave her a new SIM card to put into the iPhone 6 that had been mine to match her account because she had previously been using a free, cheap flip phone that she got from AT&T. Excellent customer support at our local AT&T store. We went over to the Apple store, which is a couple of miles away, and I had the battery tested because I wanted to have a brand new battery put into the three-year-old iPhone for Mrs. Nemo. A guy at the Apple store tested it and said, you won't believe this, but your phone is close to nearly 100% of battery power. I didn't believe it, and he was telling that to everybody because they didn't have any batteries in stock and they just wanted us to go away. So I wasn't going to get any joy out of that. So I got the phone set up for Barbie, and she's been using it a few times, and it's been working fine. So end of story on the iPhone 6 and the battery. But they still don't have batteries in stock at the Apple Store or just about any Apple Store in the United States. So the rest of the story may be USA specific, but I think there's a lesson here for people in every country who are listening. I saw a notice on the internet that a store in the U.S. which is called Office Depot or Office Max, it's O-F-F-I-C-E-D-E-P-O-T, OfficeDepot.com is their website, is having a special to beat Apple's price iPhone running slow will change your battery for only $27.99. Regular $49.99. Expires February the 4th. Two days ago, I took my iPhone 5S, which I had also been using for testing and teaching and recording Pandora and stuff like that, down to Office Depot, Office Max, 
to see if it really works. And the young woman there, who was the technical advisor, her name is Sam, as in Samantha, she really gave it a good working over. She looked at the edges. She looked at the screen. We tested the charging. We tested the battery. We made sure the headphone port worked. I took it out of the case. She gave it a full diagnosis. There were a lot of people standing in line behind me that were getting irritated because she was being so thorough. She gave me a three or four page printout of the full diagnostic that she had done. And then later that day, a couple of hours later, she called up and said, your phone is ready, Mr. Nemo. Well, I haven't been down there yet to pick it up because it happened too fast and haven't gone down to the store yet. But I'm going to go down later today and I will have a report on that soon. But if you are in a country where they have an Office Max or an Office Depot, or a similar store, look around. There may be a high-quality, third-party, non-Apple store that will replace your battery for a reasonable cost, somewhere in the $30 to $50 range, and that way you effectively have a brand-new phone. So that's the story from Nemo's Hardware Store this week, and we're still waiting for our shipments of items to review from the recent CES Consumer Electronics Show. Back next week. Thank you for that, John. And this is, of course, where I give you the obligatory Amazon affiliate link spiel. I'll keep it short. Uh, go to the website. There's an Amazon affiliate big red button. Follow that. Do your shopping. And we get a very small kickback, which helps to uh, pay the bills for running the show. Uh, you can also, of course, support us on Patreon and via the Pinecast Tips Jar, both of which are also featured on the EssentialApple.com. Uh, and now, uh, let's move on back to some more stories, Warren. Uh, we haven't got a vast number left, I'll be honest, but... Uh, there's quite a big story here, um, which is about e the EU have fined Qualcomm uh, €997 million, Euros, which uh, I believe works out at $1.2 billion. US dollars. Uh, I don't think we'll bother to go into this too much, really, Warren, because it's no doubt long and boring and uh, I know for a fact that Qualcomm have already uh, you know applied for their appeal judicial review whatever um the gist of it is that it is alleged or in fact now I assume considered proven that uh, Qualcomm abused its market dominance in LTE baseband chipsets by paying Apple uh, billions of dollars to secure their business and stop Apple from buying chips from rivals. Uh, rivals. And this is uh, not allowed in the EU. Uh, so basically it says Qualcomm uh, legally shut out rivals from the market for over five years uh, and cementing its market dominance. Uh, well... If they did, uh, I don't know how that's viewed in other parts of the world, uh, effectively. The deal, if you give us exclusivity, that would not actually be illegal, but actually giving them effectively a bribe of here is a big wadge of cash 
for you to uh, not use anybody else's chips, that's not allowed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in the U.S., if if it's political, you can't do anything like that. That's bribery. But for businesses, I, you know, it, it it doesn't sound like it's the nicest thing to do, but companies can really pick whoever they want to pick as their supplier for product. And if, you know, if you're going to do that, at least in the U.S., you're going to have to stop. You know, a lot of these, you know, kickbacks that companies get or, you know, the, you know, the, the sporting events that people give each other and these bribes, you know, that mm. are happening. So, you know, how far do you take it, I guess, is the, the issue. But, um, I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely bribery, but whether, you know, whether it's legal here or not, I'm not sure. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly not allowed in the EU. And so they've got slapped with a large fine, which they're going to continue to fight. And uh, no doubt Qualcomm and Apple will continue to squabble. They've been suing and countersuing each other for a while now. Um, various other people, some people have uh, apparently even Apple's biggest rivals stepped up to support Apple uh, in one of their disputes with Qualcomm. I think Qualcomm have been, um, you know, they've been playing the 600 gorilla, uh, you know, the 600 pound gorilla for a while, I think. And uh, whether they've actually abused their position or not, I think even people like Samsung have got a bit tired of their high handedness. And, uh, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost, I think. Don't tread on people on the way up as they will kick you when you're on the way down. I think (laughs) you'd probably describe that one. Uh, Yeah, so I think we'll leave that. I'm sure Bart will have a more in-depth discussion of that uh, on his Let's Talk Apple show. Uh, there's a story here which I put in because uh, I, if Mark had been on, it would have set him off on a huge rant, <laughs> uh, which is this was on the UK Business Insider, um, which is an Apple, experience, uh, Apple Store experience from hell uh, is clear clear there are larger problems with that apple's retail presence uh I, I won't really go into that you could if anybody's interested follow the link uh the mm-hmm. woman took her phone to be uh repaired and then it broke uh, or died um and she had uh, terrible problems getting them to deal with it yeah um, we had yeah we had the big discussion on the mac to the future uh facebook page about it i mean i, I my feeling and in a nutshell is she had to wait a couple of days and she got a brand new phone and uh, boohoo, you know, mm. uh, I, you know, I've had non Apple products. I had a Samsung tablet thing and the keyboard broke and it was literally impossible to talk to anybody, Samsung or anybody to get it fixed. And finally I got through to somebody at Samsung and they had me send the keyboard back. And then and a month later they sent it, me to the broken keyboard back saying, uh, we can't do anything or something stupid like that. So, you know, all these people complaining about, you know, Apple's, uh, you know, stores. I mean, first of all, they're busy. She went during a really busy time, obviously because of the battery issue. Um, and, you know, try, try doing that with any other company or most other companies. It's not going to go very smooth. Well, that that is true. I have a friend, uh, she's in Australia, actually, but she has a Sony Xperia um, 
it's not very old she has trouble with it charging she has trouble with it getting hot she has trouble with it shutting off i've said to her you know you need to go back and create stink and it's not fit for purpose and blah 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 but apparently the carriers in australia are pretty much well there's nothing we can do about it uh she's Mm -hmm. i've said to her perhaps you could get in touch with sony because it's you know it's not it's not a year old so it's obviously faulty um trying to contact sony directly has been almost impossible so you know and this is not a cheap phone this is not this is not your 40 dollar android bought down the supermarket this is a sony xperia which is one of their you know top of the line ranges so i mean and in australia i mean you could walk into an apple store with an apple device and you know get your issue fixed or at least explained and it may not be always the smoothest issue but it's going to be a hundred percent smoother than most other yeah i i i mean there there were a couple of things in in that report i i I mean, I've never been into an actual Apple store. There's the nearest one here is about forty miles away. Um, if I happen to go there, I would, you know, if I happen to go to Norwich uh, at some point, I would most definitely go there um, just to have a look. But um, mm-hmm. yes, uh, the, the the part that actually uh, intrigued me more than the the story about her phone and you know she broke it and then they fixed it and then it died and um you know there's the stuff about they said it would be an hour and it was four and a half hours and mm-hmm. but yeah. it was super busy and all the rest um what i did find a bit more interesting was the the, the talk about you know there seemed to be as many staff as customers and yet everybody you know nobody seemed to be in charge and there was no focal point uh and that i could understand actually the the idea you know saying taking away the tills is all very well but in in any other store if you don't really know what to do you can always head to a till because someone will pay attention to you at the till um it's 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 not like that normally though i mean i i've been to a bunch of them and there's generally one or two people always in the front with an ipad and they're essentially the till um they're a point of contact you could and they'll direct you to where you need to go so whether that person wasn't there or was busy with the other people i don't know in this person's instance but it's not true there are people i mean it's not it's pretty obvious you walk in and they say how can i help you and then if you have a genius bar appointment they'll point you in the right direction they'll sign you in if you have a sales question they'll point you to a person they'll say go to that person with the blue shirt on um, and they're all like that. I mean, every store I walked in is like that. So I, I believe that when she went, it was chaotic, uh, and you know, it could happen. Um, but it's definitely not normal for yeah. that. Okay. Well, as I say, I've, I've never actually been into an Apple store. I, I got the general impression that, um, you know, she'd obviously gone in an incredibly, uh, busy time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess based on her experiences, you know, she's saying there's a problem here and that there's all these staff and they all appear to be milling around in a disorganized fashion. Everybody's trying to help everybody else. Uh, and if if that was, you know, if that's a kind of regular state of affairs, then, yeah, they, they've got a problem. But if that was just a, you know, just a really unfortunate one off because she went in at the busiest day of the year, then it's a, it's one person's anecdotal view. Um, 
I mean, the, it's, the part it's, about her phone yeah. really, I know, I, I wasn't in the. I wasn't in the least bit, uh, you know, impressed with that. Well, you broke your phone and Apple fixed it. And then the next day it bricked. Okay, so that's fair enough. It, You know, they fixed it. it. It should be under warranty for the repair. But, you know, you had to go back to a, a different Apple store and they gave you another phone. Um, hardly the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that that one, that was that really. Um you obviously have far more experience of, of an Apple store than I do, Warren. So we'll go. We'll yeah. leave that at that, really. Uh, and and I'll I'll just say real quick is I mean they're not perfect. Uh, well, nobody's know, perfect, are they? You know. Yeah, and there's you know there's employees there that give wrong information here and there. Um, stores are busier than others, uh, and sometimes you get um, thrown around too much. But it's it's better than most uh so it, it is what it is but you know if i like a place that i go to and i have one bad experience i'm not going to write a article uh and publish it out to the world saying i had this one bad experience especially if it's normally not a bad experience um if it's a bad experience often and more so than it's a good experience then maybe i could see why she would do that but uh it, it it just didn't sit well with me to be honest with you no no i did i must admit as i say i put it in mostly because i knew it would spark mark off <laughs> <laughs> who i believe yeah. has got a rant of his own that he's uh intending to publish shortly but uh <laughs> oh well we're nearly out of stories we're nearly out of stories warren uh well the last one really is uh, burger king attempts to explain net neutrality with fast food uh which i picked up from engadget it was quite uh sort of amusing really this one was just a the uh you know the fluffy story on the end of the news um well i mean we've both watched it i think uh yeah it was it, cute it was cute yeah uh, um, um yes I, I the link will be in the in the notes for anybody who wants to watch it um uh, yeah what did you make of it i guess uh, yeah it's it's cute it's funny um it, it did a good job the one thing i had a problem with and uh, they used the whole example was the more you pay, the faster your internet will be. And that's what they were trying to convey. My problem with that is even before net neutrality, that's the case still here too. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it is over there. I don't remember, but over here, if you pay $50 a month, you'll get 20 megabits a second. Uh, if you pay a hundred, you'll get you know, 50. If you pay 200, you'll get a gigabit. So we are already paying yes, yes, or I, for higher bandwidth. Um, that's not a net neutrality. No, issue. that's not a net neutrality. I, I, I think what they're well, we know we know what they're attempting to imply, isn't it? Which is the, I mean, the net the fear of the d destruction of the current net neutrality uh, legislation yeah. is yeah. that carriers will be able to say you know you're paying for your bandwidth but then it's oh would you like youtube well that's another two dollars a month you know did you did you want to look at uh, um oh i don't know you know instagram that's another two dollars a month and so on and so forth uh yeah and they would have i think if they went that angle it would have been a little better like if they said oh you want ice in your drink that's another dollar if you want salt on your fries that's another two dollars 
that you know your example would be a little better than what they use as far as the speed of the internet but yeah it, it was it got the point uh, i think the point yeah there there the point was you know we we're going to you can have your whopper but you can wait 20 minutes and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's four dollars you know yeah, if, if, the, you, if, if you want it if you want it in 10 minutes you know it's six dollars and if you want it right now then it's ten dollars you know um and the, the big joke is nobody actually wants a whopper so <laughs> yeah and of course there's the um the the thing you've got the burger king there drinking his uh thing out of an enormous reese's chocolate cup which apparently is a dig at uh What's his name? Um, I want to say Anil Dash, but that's not Anil Dash, is it? Um, no, I don't know. Um, Ajit Pai. Uh, well, I've probably mangled that. But uh, Ajit Pai uh, and uh, apparently his ridiculous giant Reese's mug. Uh, looking at that, doesn't look any bigger than the mug I have my tea in at work. So there you go. Actually, the Burger King has got an even bigger one. So Yabu sucks. <laughs> but um, exactly. no, it was it was an amusing uh, gag, and I I guess it was a, a sort of um, obviously it's a, a clever way for them. They're pr- promoting their product and saying, you know, we don't we don't do this. Come in, order your fast food, and uh, you know. But it's also, I suppose, uh, well, I guess you could say it's nice to see somebody like Burger King. As well as basically putting their brand out there, saying we, you know, we care about other things than just selling you fast food. So, and and a lot of people here actually don't even understand what net you know net neutrality means, which is part of it. So I think you know, kind of explaining it that way is not a bad thing. Uh, a lot of people here have no idea what it means, and even people who know what it means probably don't know what it means either, or at least what's going to happen with it. Well, of course, at the minute, nobody knows what's going to happen because, you know, some people are saying, well, actually, we're just putting the rules back to how they were, you know, previously. Um, A lot of people are quite rightly, I suspect, because nobody nobody wants this kind of uh, nickel and diming kind of behavior that's that's really what nobody wants isn't it that's the, the that's the bottom line and right but we still have competition and that's that's the one thing that people forget is you know we have Verizon and we have Comcast and we have Spectrum so if one company starts nickeling and diming you unless they all do it then competition's going to take over from from that yeah, very and much hopefully... i mean you know we we it it works slightly differently here, but we have a bunch, you know, a whole bunch of carriers, obviously, or ISPs. Um, and you know, over the years, as the internet became more mainstream, just like mobile phones uh, before them, you know, it started out quite expensive, and only people who really, really wanted to get on the internet would do it. Um, as it became more mainstream, competition took over, and people started saying, "Well, you know, we could." Actually, we could probably for provide this for you know six pound ninety five a month, and we'll make it up in the volume. Um, so I think most people now probably work probably pay around twenty pounds a month for their internet, um, and of, yeah, you know, yeah. and that would that would get you a reasonable level of you know in most places that will get you a, a reasonable level of internet. Um, you know, if but they're all yeah, they're all in sync though in in the UK at least that's. Your your ISP and your uh, mobile services are about a third of what we pay here in the mm. U.S. And the only reason that is, or probably it is, is because they're all 
in sync with pricing. Uh, so if one company, you know, came over here and started charging half of what everybody else charged, that would be a, a different story, but they don't because they, they know they could get what the market is willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is here. But here, what happened here in this country, you know, was as the, as the internet went mainstream and more ISPs and, and providers came on stream, the competition was fierce. And so the prices were driven down. You know, the providers were cutting the prices. I think at at one point, you know, you could get a month's connection for as little as about five pounds. Uh, But that was in the days of sort of five megabits. Uh, And then it's gradually crept up by, but mostly, of course, it's crept up by added services. Oh, well, do you want fiber? You know, you can, you can still get, um, you can get your internet over twisted copper pair and probably max out at, I don't know, 12 megabits or something. And if that's good enough for you, you can probably buy that for very little money. No. Yeah. Uh, but one of the other things, of course, that, um, and I don't know if it's regulationary or just how it is, but in this country, um, I know in America, you, you often get shafted like with your mobile deals where, again, you get nickel, nickel and dime, don't you? And it's so much for the phone service and then so much for your texts and so much for data. And, and that's oh, yeah. not how it tends to work over here. The, yep. the mobile providers, because they were pretty much uh, up against the whole of the EU, um, they're very much bundled. In, in this country, it, and, unless you need or want a very much a budget deal, uh, pretty much every deal you'll get for your mobile phone is going to cost you probably about £10 a month for the unlimited texts and unlimited uh, phone calls. And, and then the rest of the rest of it will be made up with probably what you're paying for your phone if you decide to take your phone over the you know term of the contract, which is quite pop you know still very popular in this country. Um, and, and then something for your data. Um, and he you know again the amount of data that you are getting um, chucked in with your bundle has has just escalated you know when when they first started putting mobile data they was like you'll get 500 meg free you know now um a lot of deals will give you three to five gig a month for free and and if you want more than that you can top it up um yeah we don't we don't it's (laughs) it's not like that it's it's bad here i mean just the apple watch i added the uh i got the series three i added the plan to it when i first got it which is was ten dollars a month, but it was really not. It was sixteen dollars a month with taxes and fees on top of it. Oh, so you know, that's an awful lot of money to be able to make a phone call from your watch, isn't it? It was yeah. So I stopped it, but that's that's you know that's representative of the rest of the bill. So you get you get your you know your your data, your phone, um, and then the taxes and the fees are significant. Um, and we you know occasionally are mobile providers have things where, uh, you know, you'll get a few free things, but it's very misleading and the bills are constantly changing. When I lived in London, the bills were always the same. Here, it it would be uncommon to see the bill the same every month. There's always something switching around um, and it's confusing. Um, the other thing is, you know, we, we had last summer, I think, one provider decided to go unlimited data. And um, at that point, everybody started to do it. So that's the only, literally, that's the only thing I can remember that had any kind of good effect with a competition doing it. But other than that, it's not cheap and it's not not good. I mean, our 
mobile service in the U.S., no matter what provider you go with, is pretty spotty uh, and pretty bad compared to you guys. Well, I mean, we have we have the advantage, don't we, that there's a lot of people in the U.K. jammed into a very small space. Yeah. So you know, covering covering the whole of the UK with the uh, masts and, and, and radio relays is comparatively not, you know, not such a terrible task. Um, mm, yeah, but it's our, bad, I mean, yeah, you know, it's our biggest, our biggest, um, I guess the, the biggest problem that the UK has is that a huge amount of the telephone infra- infrastructure, you know, is very old, um, you know, having been very early, <laughs> adopters of telephone systems you know there's an awful lot of copper wire uh you know installed in the uk that is not going to get dug up and replaced anytime soon um which is why the government have you know voted in here we have a thing a minimum level of service where the government has said they want to try and get everybody pretty much anywhere in the uk uh, an acceptable level of broadband service uh what they consider to be an acceptable level of broadband service seems to uh, be debatable, but at least, you know, there are places in the UK where you cannot get broadband. Uh, you know, and they are, they are odd places. They are places in the highlands of Scotland or in the valley, you know, odd valleys in parts of Wales or whatever. Uh, but, you know, they are, they are doing their best to get that last few percent covered. Uh, yeah, eventually, you know, wireless, hopefully... We'll fix it. Um, that that's what they're talking here, at least about five G. Is supposedly maybe it can replace traditional broadband. Um, we'll see. We'll That'd see. be nice. That we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's like here. You know, the rollout of three G in this country seemed to take forever. You know, it took. People were talking about three G and talking. I mean, it must have been a good two years or more after everybody was on about 3G before you could even get 3G here where I live. Um, and yet, when 4G came along, um, we seemed to have 4G almost immediately that it was rolled out. Now, whether the original problem was that to get 3G, they actually needed to put up infrastructure, you know, transmitters and whatnot, and that actually had to physically involve people coming and putting up aerials and whatnot and that 4g used the same infrastructure and was just a different um you know protocol i don't know but we had 4g almost immediately it rolled out 5g who knows and your 4g was great i remember i remember standing in camden town uh, getting about 120 megabits per second uh on 4g it was and this was years ago and Mm. That's, I mean, that just doesn't happen here. So you you have really good 4G over there. Yeah, we do. I have to admit that is one thing that uh, when it first rolled out, I think a lot of people were, oh, yeah, 3G, 4G, yeah, so what, so what? But uh, when you now go to an area that doesn't have 4G, which is you know, fairly relatively rare, certainly in the places that I visit, um, you notice it. Uh, so there we go. Yeah. Well... There we go, Warren. I think we've covered pretty much all of the stories. So uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Would you like to shill yourself and uh, any places you might be able to be contacted? Uh, Yeah, you could ask Guy, but uh, not not really out there too much on Twitter or email. So um, if you want to find me on Facebook, I'm out there. Um, Just search for me. 
um, come to our group, the Mac to the Future group, if you want to hang out. It's a good place to hang out. Okay. And that's it. Very good. Very good. Well, I am, of course, on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, Mark can be found as at Ocean Speed. You can also, of course, get at Essential Apple. And then we have the at Essential Apple website. We have the uh, Google Plus and we have our Slack room, which if anybody wants to join, they have to ask for an invitation because that's how Slack works. Other than that, we are part of the MyMac podcasting network where you can find such excellent shows as uh, the tech fan the uh, my mac show the geeky ladies the geekiest show ever the nintendo club podcast and of course yes the one i've already mentioned which is bart bouchot's excellent let's talk so thank you for listening thank you for coming on warren thank you for having me that's no problem and uh I think I'll end the show. Goodbye. End. Hey, David, this week on TechFan, let's talk about Apple. I uh, don't like it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Windows? We can talk about Windows. Boring. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of cool things in 3D printing going on. We could, we could talk really? about cool no. i don't think so uh, uh, what about like uh raspberry pi we've we've discussed that in the past it's tech fan no oh, you're you're just being difficult now what do you want to talk about this week on tech fan how about we talk about apple and then a little bit about microsoft and then the raspberry pi you suck Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.